Welcome to Sojourn Grace Collective, a progressive Christian church in San Diego. In our community, we affirm all that makes you, you. We celebrate your race, sexual orientation, and gender identity. We honor your socioeconomic status, physical abilities, and religious creeds. Because here at Sojourn, we believe it all belongs. To learn more, visit us online at SojournGrace.com, where you can explore what makes our faith community different, discover resources to help you find wholeness in your life, and partner with us in our mission through tax-deductible contributions. Thank you for joining us today, and may you know, above all else, that you are a loved child of God, full stop. Welcome to Sojourn. We've got we've got a crew here in person this morning. Yeah, crew person crew. And if you live in San Diego or feel like flying out, come join us over the next few weeks. You're welcome to come hang. Um, it's fun to have people in here. It's a different energy, and it feels good. It feels good to have you here, Violet. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say hi? You hi to Mama. <laughs> um, hey, uh, last week we announced that this thing is wrapping up. October 30th is our last Sunday, and I just really appreciate the showing up anyway. Um, still doing this thing, leaning all the way in, all the way to the very end, and I just wanted to say that that I'm really glad that you're here doing this with us. Um, it still means... Oh, see, we're getting the can't hear Kate well, comments. No, oh, it's old? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, see, my fears were founded! Um, anyway. Leaning all the way in to the very end is really important to me. This thing still matters to me just as much as it always did. Just because we know something is ending does not take away its value right to the very end. And so I'm really glad that you're here, that we can keep connecting. And also, like, we're still going to exist as humans and as a collective of humans and as people who have grown through this thing and become something together. And so I hope we still show up in all kinds of different ways for each other after October 30th. I just wanted to say that this morning, that we don't cease to exist as a thing that we created. Everything we did together continues to be, and we're just really glad that you've been a part of it and that you're here now. Love you. Okay, so, well, here, oh. you can go. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> setting up this next segment. So... After last uh, week when we announced that we were winding this um, operation down, one of our longtime, um, I almost said members, even though that's not really a phrase we use around here, but one of our longtime community folk immediately emailed Kate and myself and, and like, like Im- yeah, immediately um, sort of asked for a couple things. And one was, can can people, can we come to the... So the virtual experiences, like, can we come and be, so that's part of why y'all are here and why each of the next few weeks, um, people will be here with us. And the other thing that, uh, this person suggested is, is there a way that we can invite people in the community to share basically what's so their, their gratitude for this community, whether it's been three months or whether it's been eight and a half years, um, 
can we can we give people the opportunity to express that both so that they themselves can have a chance to express it and but then just as much so that the broader collective can can hear how this place has changed people's lives so we're going to call these moments of gratitude and we've got two to share today. So the first moment of gratitude is going to come from an individual who's one of our virtual attendees uh, from out in New York City. So I'm going to go to this and then we'll see you back here in a little bit. Colby and Kate, I know we've never gotten to meet each other in person and we don't really know each other, but I love both of you wonderful humans so much. I remember how my experiences with anti-gay therapy and being preached hate to from a pulpit and the beatings I took and everything that shaped my perception of God and faith. I remember questioning all of that in 2017 and coming across a book named Unclobber. Then after reading what Colby wrote in the ending, that I am a loved child of God, I cried for hours. I remember having one or one and a half bottles of wine and messaging Colby a piece of my story and how Unclobber really touched me and I was met with so much love. Then when I was planning a move out to San Diego, reaching out again to learn more about Sojourn Grace Collective and once again being met with so much compassion and love unlike I had ever experienced from a Christian and was invited into the Sojourn family via the Facebook Sanctuary Group. I ended up staying in New York and relocating to the city, but Colby thought of me one day and asked if I got all settled in San Diego. Then I shared my news. However, after relocating to the city, the love I had experienced through messages and virtual church experiences, which I had attended several of, I kept questioning and meeting with more progressive pastors and asking my questions and letting my concerns and my heart be known. I finished a song and released it as a single, a song that I started writing in anti-gay therapy, but now it's a song of hope. I had to believe if Christians like you exist in this world, then I can begin to heal and I can begin to learn more about how to love. I've learned a lot from the two of you without ever meeting. And for that, I thank you. I am writing this because I have heard about the winding down of Sojourn and my heart breaks for you. My heart selfishly breaks for myself who still had a goal of coming out to San Diego and getting to experience Sojourn Grace Collective in person for myself. Now it's a coffee date which I'm still okay with. <laughs> but thank you so much for Sojourn Grace and simply for just existing. The love you two pour out into the world is needed and it's infectious. And what you said is right. Sojourn Grace did not fail. You created a community of love a community I still see continuing long after the physical church closes its doors at the end of October. You changed lives. The love I was shown by a stranger through Facebook and email exchanges changed me enough to continue questioning my stance on faith, but to also set boundaries with my heart 
and to not put myself back into an unhealthy and dangerous situation. You've helped change and shape this next chapter of my life. You both should be very proud of yourselves and everything that you've accomplished. Whatever comes next, I wish you nothing but all the love and happiness that life has to offer. And I know that you will both find peace with this soon. I know the entire Sojourn family will find peace with this soon. Much love. Thank you for everything. And remember, if you have breath, then you belong. Love you guys. Hello. Hi, Sojourn family. Um, we want to give our uh, little message of gratitude for all that uh, this community has done for us. So when we heard the news that Sojourn Grace was closing its doors, we were heartbroken. We found Sojo just six months ago during a season of doubt and struggle in our faith. And this wonderful, accepting community has been our lifeline through this deconstruction from our old church. It's not easy saying goodbye, but we're so grateful for the time that we did get to spend with this church family. But even though this may be the end of this incarnation of Sojo, this won't be the end of our spiritual journey. As Jesus said, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Sojourn's values are not fading. They live, excuse me, they live on in the hearts of everyone in the Sojourn family. Where two or three are gathered, there will always be safe spaces like this where all are welcomed and accepted. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that was perfect. That was beautiful. <laughs> that brought the room down. Every once in a while, Jesus makes an appearance in these services, and uh, <laughs> and when he does, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, thank you, Summer and Ricardo. I realized I forgot to put their names on the screen, but that was Summer and Ricardo. And, um, a beautiful addition to our collective. So glad our paths crossed. Uh, yeah, they came to a bonfire, right? Was that what it was? Yeah. So fun. Okay, um, I just I got a quick little thing I want to share as we as we as we kind of wind this thing down. One of the things that I thought we could we could do in addition to these moments of gratitude is just kind of share last few like here are the things that we've learned in, for in eight years. Here are the things that we've talked about. Here are some of the things that the, the this we leave with you kind of thing. And last week, uh, Kate and I in our announcement we touched a little bit on how the first name of our church is Sojourn, which is pointing to the reality that life is a series of short stays, and we move, and we evolve, and we change, and we grow, and this is just how life goes. And our middle name is Grace. And so I thought I would just share a, a little bit about what we've learned about Grace over these years. Um, but I'm not going to try and reinvent the wheel. I, I, I went back, and I'm like, man, we've given some, we've given, we didn't do it. I gave some great talks on grace I, over the years that I'm really proud of that really, I think, speak to why grace is our middle name. Um, the first one was in June of 2014 when we just started meeting, like three months in, we just started meeting at a, a, um, an elementary school. 
and we were going through our name together that we'd just chosen. And we talked about a tent. And I had people come up kind of in the area where we gave the, the talks from and people held up this big four corners of a sheet. And I talked about the idea of the metaphor of a tent and that for many people in religious communities, the purpose of the tent is to protect and defend those who come in. So you have to um, look a certain way, think a certain way, talk a certain way, believe a certain way in order to come into the tent. And you have these gatekeepers that say only some people get to come into the tent. And then in reaction to that, there has been the effort by some to realize, well, that's not what we should be doing. We should be extending the tent. And we, we make the tent bigger to cover people who have been on the margins and people who have been uh, outside uh, of the tent for too long. Um, but really, I think what Grace is inviting us to is the reality that the tent isn't even ours to begin with. It's not ours to protect and defend, and it's not ours to extend. The tent is God's, and as it turns out, everybody's in. The tent is over everybody all the time anyway. And so that's kind of the, how we started with this idea of grace. Then there was a time where I talked about grace as the idea where Jesus talked about being the good shepherd. And a good shepherd is one who wants well-being and flourishing for the sheep. Not just like make sure that the sheep is fed and not just make sure that the sheep have, but actually wants what's best for the sheep. And this is, this is grace to me, is, you, is wanting what is best, not what is fair or right or deserved, Grace is, well, no, we're not even going to talk. That, that, that is irrelevant. I, grace is just wanting what, wanting what is best for ourselves, for each other, for the world. Not what's fair, not what's right. And then the last thing I want to say about grace, and this is a little bit longer, um, is it starts with uh, the story that many of us are familiar with. It's often called the story of the prodigal son, um, which is fine. I guess that's a fine title for, the, for this story. But I think it maybe buries the lead a little bit in terms of what the story really is about. Um, but I think you know the story, right? There's a father who had two sons. And one son, the older one, was of the opinion that he had his father figured out. I got my dad on lock, this older son said. Like, I know what he wants. I know what he expects. I know how to make him happy. I know how to do everything right. And the older son did everything right. He followed the rules. He showed up. He worked hard, crossed all his T's and dotted all his I's. And then there was the younger son who had a slightly different takeaway on life. And for the younger son, he felt, I don't know, maybe like he'd been forgotten by his dad. Maybe he felt like he didn't matter. Maybe he felt unseen or uncared for. And actually, as I think about this story now, I realize... Well, hold on. If we just sort of press pause and step back from this story, like a Disney movie, there's no mom. There's no mother in this story. So what if, Ben, this whole story is about how children respond to the trauma? What if this whole story is about different ways to respond to the trauma of losing a parent? All right, I'm going to have to think more about that and come back. Reinsert back into what I was going to say. Uh, so the younger son... He's just fed up with the whole thing, and he responds to the family dynamic by just saying, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. Just pretend you have died, and I get my share of the inheritance, because I'm going to take off. And he leaves, and you know the story. He goes out, and he, he squanders it. He, we would say he wastes it. And maybe later on in life, he would look back and say that too. 
But at the, at the time, right, we don't really see it as wasting it. So I think what he was doing is he was trying to solve the internal sadness, the internal turmoil, the internal pain. He was trying to solve that by ordering and arranging his external world in such a way to as protect this thing in here. And it just unfortunately was spent in all the wrong ways because that we really can't. You can't ever arrange your external world enough to fix what's in here. It won't ever, ever work or last. And eventually he ran out of money and he got to the point where he's like, I am literally eating like the food out of what the pigs eat. Um, I know that even just being a hired hand for my dad would be better than this. And so he, he musters up the humility mixed with courage to go back home and he rehearses a whole speech, how to apologize to his dad, how to grovel, how to beg to be let back in. Got the whole thing figured out. And you guys know how the story ends, right? The father doesn't even give his younger son the chance to launch into his speech because the father sees him coming and he, and he runs out and he throws a robe on him and puts a ring on his finger and he, and he embraces him. Um, and I just imagine him, like, the son starting to get into his speech and the father just, like, shutting him up. Like, no, 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 I don't even want you to go. Like, don't, don't even. Like, just shh, you're, you're here. That's what matters. That's what matters. And then he throws a, a party and everybody's invited to celebrate that the son has returned home. And if you remember the story, this, this infuriates the older brother. The one who had always done what was right. I mean, do you, some of you are, 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 are siblings in a multi-sibling family dynamic, and you can probably locate yourself in one of these two situations. And if you know what it's like to be the one that always does it right, and you might have a sibling that maybe chose other options, like you can relate to this feeling of WTF. Like, I have been here doing this thing the whole time. And I never even got like a goat to have a party with my friends. <laughs> and yet my younger brother comes home and gets a whole party thrown just, just because he came home after wasting everything and putting us all through hell for years. Really? And he brings up these grievances to his dad. And his dad, if you remember the story, says to his son, in a way that could potentially be heard or seen or felt as rather condescending and patronizing, but I think is intended with compassion and sadness that somehow his son had missed this the whole time. And parents, you know what that's like. Like you could, you could in your mind, again, do all the right things for your kids and do your best to meet all their needs. And yet they still grow up with this gap in their heart. And there's this moment where they share this gap and you're like, just, I had no clue. I had no clue. And uh, the dad says to his son, like, bud, everything I have is yours. It's always been yours. I'm not really sure how you, how you missed it. And this is where I resent Jesus's brevity in his storytelling. Because I feel like the father had actually more to say. I feel like the father probably took some responsibility there. But I didn't realize how much pressure you must have been under to do the right thing all the time. 
I should have been more conscious of how you were constantly hustling, trying to earn belonging here. But I, I, I promise you, like, everything I have is yours. It's always been that way. I'm so sorry that you've missed that. Another time, Jesus just had this throwaway statement where he talked about the love of God being like the sun, being like the rain, indiscriminately pouring itself out onto everybody. The sun shines on the wicked and the righteous. The rain falls on the good and the evil. This is like the love of God. The younger brother, through his you could say through his hedonistic actions fueled by things like greed and lust and insecurity and, and, and grasping to try to feel some level of love in his life, he felt like he didn't deserve to be his father's son. I don't deserve to be your son. The older brother, in contrast, through his earnest actions fueled by a sense of pride and maybe entitlement, he felt like he'd done more than enough to deserve being his father's son. And I think these are programs that often run in the background of our minds. The operating system of our, of our consciousness comes preloaded with this idea that the universe somehow plays favorites. That if you do everything right, good will come to you. And if you do things wrong, bad will fall to you. And like the friends of, of the Old Testament character Job, we often assume that if we're getting lots of bad stuff in life, it must be because we've somehow pissed God off. And I think this is what the older brother might be thinking. That his younger brother cheated the system, and yet now he seems to be rewarded for it. Again, if you're an older brother in this situation, you have worked hard, you've played your cards right, just hoping one day your, your dad's going to see you and reward you. And you watch as your younger brother, think about him thinking he needed to grovel at his father's feet, thinking he needed to plead for forgiveness. But I'm sure he was preparing himself for a very reasonable response of, I'm sorry, son, this is the bed you made. Time to lay in it. I think sometimes we think we can earn more love by making all the right choices. Of course I deserve to be your son because I'm awesome. And other times I think we believe we'll get less love when we make poor choices. I don't deserve to be your son because I'm awful. And I think what can be said is that both brothers either struggled to believe or simply had not yet understood what it meant for their father to just love them. Always. Without condition. And I think both of these postures fail I've earned love because I'm awesome. I don't deserve love because I'm awful. Both of these postures fall short because they're both playing the deserve game. I do deserve it. I don't deserve it. And my experience in life and my understanding of reality and my belief in God is that God has no interest in the deserve game. Zero interest in the deserve game. And this is my final word about grace, is that I think grace dissolves deserve. Dissolves it. Grace opts out of the deserve game altogether.
It replaces the posture of I'm too awful to be loved or I'm too awesome not to be loved. It replaces it with the posture that just says, wow, I am loved. <laughs> How amazing is that? Ooh, amazing grace. Ben, write that down. That could be the title for a song. <laughs> so for eight and a half years, we've been a community that has been founded on this value of grace. It's our, it's our middle name. We've been all about the grace. No trouble. I'm dropping them all and getting them all out. I only, got a, I only got a few weeks left to get it all out of my system. We've been a community founded on grace because we live in a world, and we have, many of us come from a religion that plays the deserve game. Got to do all the things right. You got to believe all the right things. You got to not do some behaviors and definitely do other things. But grace, I don't know, man. Grace comes to this religious idea, this religious idea that we have to be reconciled back to God. You remember this? Be reconciled to God. We were told that we were separated from God. We were told that we have somehow put distance between ourselves and God because of our iniquities. So we're told we need to be reconciled to God, but grace comes along and says, okay, okay. If you want to be reconciled to God, listen up. Here's how you do it. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's so simple and it's so easy. You're, you may not believe me. <laughs> grace says, you may not believe me. This probably sounds too good to be true, and oftentimes things are. Um, but it's pretty good news. Because grace says, if you want to be reconciled to God, here's how you do it. You just wake up to the reality you were never separated to begin with. There you are. You're now reconciled to God. Just waking up to the fact that you don't need to be. It's kind of like how mindfulness meditation, where you pay attention to your breath, that's not what kickstarts your breathing. You've been breathing the whole time. Mindfulness meditation just tunes you into, oh yeah, oh yeah. So this is grace. For this is grace. Ops out of the deserve game altogether. I'm gonna invite Matthew and Ben and Karen to come share one last song. And as they do, I'm gonna close with this Extended quote from Paul Tillich's book, The Shaking of the Foundation. And he writes this. Grace strikes us when we are in great pain and restlessness. It strikes us when we walk through the dark valley of a meaningless and empty life. It strikes us when we feel that our separation is deeper than usual because we have violated another person's life, a life that we loved or from which we were estranged. Grace strikes us when our disgust for our own being, our indifference, our weakness, our hostility and our lack of direction and composure have become intolerable to us. Grace strikes us when year after year the longed-for perfection of life does not appear, when the old compulsions reign within us as they have for decades. when despair destroys all joy and courage. Sometimes at that moment, a wave of light breaks into our darkness. And it is as though a voice were saying, 
you are accepted. You are accepted. Accepted by that which is greater than you and the name of which you do not know. Do not ask for the name now. Perhaps you will find it later. Do not try to do anything now. Perhaps later you will do. Do not seek for anything. Do not perform anything. Do not even intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted. And if that happens to us, we experience grace. And after such an experience, we may not be better than before. And we may not believe more than before. But everything is transformed. In that moment, grace, it conquers what we call sin, and reconciliation bridges the gulf of estrangement. And nothing is demanded of this experience. No religious or moral or intellectual presuppositions. Nothing but acceptance. Accept the fact you are accepted. Without a doubt, yeah. 
day to come back home You sent me away but I was never alone You were afraid there was not enough But you can't run out of love So I'm here to stay and I'm standing in the front row It's a good day to come out of the shadow You can't run out of love So I'm here to stay And I'm dancing in the front row It's a good day to come out of the shadow God made me good in every way So I raise my voice To celebrate a good day gonna keep me out of the light I'm not gonna hide I got a heart in the right place covered in the good graces of an endless love it's a good day nothing's gonna keep me out of the light I'm not gonna hide I got a heart in the right place covered in the good graces of an endless love